What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Today on a very special rambling about cars, everyone, and I mean everyone, has a cool car story. And we're going to hear some whoppers today. No joke. I know it's April 1st. No joke. We invited several previous guests back to join us for some pure rambling from the heart, just swapping legendary tales that only car people can do. So wherever you're at, grab a snack, grab a drink, turn up the radio, because without further ado, it is podcast time. I am Christopher Smith and Mr. Chris Bruce across the way. Why don't you start us off on this cavalcade of special VIP guests we have here today? Absolutely. So the plan is, and this is our April Fool's episode, but there's no real April Fool here. We just there's, there's we no thought joke. about it and we wanted to do a slightly different format for this episode. And this isn't the new format for rambling about cars. We'll do something different next week. But we thought about it. And like Smith, like you said, everyone has that like story that they tell people about the automotive, the adventure, automotive adventure they've been on, the funny car story they have, whatever. And so we have John Neff and Seth Miersma with us right now, who are both from MotorOne.com. And uh, later on this evening, we're planning on having John Fry, who's a returning guest and a fantastic automotive renderist, and also Alanis King, who works for Business Insider and who covers all sorts of motorsport stuff. So, yeah. Um, it's going to be quite a ride. What's that? Sorry. I said it's going to be quite a ride. It and will I was be quite a ride. I was going to do the social promo. I was going to step on you and do the social promo. but You step all over me, man. So, so I don't step all. Okay, maybe sometimes. <laughs> I, I have to be better on that. John, Seth, thanks for being here. Folks, go to motorone.com. You can follow our article. It goes up every Friday. You want to follow us over at YouTube, Motor One Podcast. Like, subscribe, smash every single button you can. Leave comments, especially after this episode, because we have car stories. And like I said, everybody does. So we want to hear yours as well. You can always email us, podcast at motorone.com. You can always comment. But let's get into some stories right now. Now, Mr. Neff, Mr. Mirzma. I know you both are just pure veterans when it comes to the automotive journalism world. Which one of you wants to go? Old is what you're saying. Old. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. Did you see the beard I have going here? I'm I'm letting the white come in. I still dye the hair, though. Yeah, it's true. It's so here's the decision. Mirzma, I've got photos for yours that I can share. Neff, okay. I heard a preview of yours before the show, and I'm interested. So who wants to go first? Well, don't jump up right away, you guys. Okay, Neff. Uh, you want me to go first? Okay. That, go Neff, first. Neff, you're up. So I did give you guys a sneak peek, and yep. um, um, my story. And, and first of all, let me let me preface this by the fact that, as as I told you guys before we started, uh, I'm a little bit of a odd duck in the industry because uh, I don't go on first drive events and uh, and visit exotic locations and and drive amazing cars there. Uh, which is where I think a lot of great stories come from. Um, and uh, that's I hear those great stories from uh, the editors we work with. 
Uh, so I had to dig a little deeper for mine. And so I'm going back to when I was 20 years old. I think it was, I may have been 19. It was the first summer after my first year of college. And I was working at my uh, then uncle's uh, RV rental uh, company. Uh, and <laughs> a summer that would set the stage for so much in your life to come, right? So true. So true. <laughs> young, young college renting an RV. Yeah. As you guys know, movies start, right? my, my, my interests in my latter years have shifted entirely to RVs away from cars. <laughs> um, and, and that's where the seed was planted. Uh, my job that summer was to basically wash RVs when they came back from being rented and then go fill them up with gas. That's all I did was wash the exteriors of RVs. And there was another kid, like an 18-year-old, who was the year before he was going to college. Uh, and a great kid, and he and I worked together all summer long. And near the end of the summer, our boss, who was my uncle's partner, he wanted to reward us. So he said, look, we just booked uh, a rental with the band 98 Degrees uh, of, <laughs> of, of Nick Lachey fame. The Lachey brothers, actually. Um, and oh, wow. the, yeah, yeah. And the, and the, the concert that they wanted to rent the RV for was in Cincinnati. So <laughs> thank you. Yes. We can't that, clear that. We can't, don't play music. Yeah. That was probably I'm the not. CD they were promoting at the time. Um, and they had rented our best RV. It was, it was 40 feet long. It was a bus. It had, a, it had a, um, a fireplace in it. It had a whoa, huge, yeah. It, not like a you know like a fake one, but it had a huge TV. It was it was everything. And our job was to drive down, uh, set it up for them, and then kind of be scarce but be available if they needed anything or anything didn't work. Uh, so me and this kid, we drive down this RV, we park it. Uh, it was like it was like near a hotel because I remember we stayed in the hotel. Um, and the first day we set it all up for them. We put out the awning and, you know, the fridge is working and everything's fine and the band's not there. So we're hanging out in the RV. Um, and I guess we're not really supposed to do that because we're like the help and they rented it for their space. So the manager comes along and sees us in the RV and just starts yelling at us. Uh, because, you know, we're not supposed to be there. We're peons. We're, you know, whatever. And by that time, there was like a spread of lunch meat that someone had brought to put on the table. <laughs> they had like set it up for them. There were, there was, there was drinks in the, in the fridge and everything. So we're like, you know, we're like, okay, that's fine. We started walking out. Just then the band arrives. Turns out the band is totally cool. They're like, hey, you guys, you guys can come in and hang with us, whatever. And we can tell the manager is super pissed that they unknowingly have violated his, <laughs> his admonishment of us. So they invite us onto the bus. Uh, there's a Nintendo 64 set up. We're playing games. Uh, I think it was Mario Kart. Uh, we're just totally chilling with 98 degrees. Really oh, hoping... Did- did they what? ask what you were doing there? Did they- <laughs> yeah, they knew we they they knew we were with the RV. Uh, I'm using a lot of air quotes. I don't know why. Uh, they knew we were with. <laughs> Thank you. They they knew we were with the RV, and they, I I don't know. They were just like uh, you know we were chill, and they were only going to be there for like two or three hours or something. Uh, and we decided we really wanted to see Jessica Simpson because we were pretty sure that it was like a hometown. Uh, concert because I think they're from right. Cincinnati. 
Nick Lachey is from the Cincinnati area. Yes. Right. Yes. And we were, and we were, ho- and he was married to, to Jessica Simpson at the time. Okay. So that, um, okay. Okay. This is, I've pretty... been in Nick Lachey's bar in Cincinnati, actually. Oh. I haven't seen him there. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Bar? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Dude, that guy's like an entrepreneur now. Um, yeah. I was yeah. listening to Jewel at this time, so I have no idea. Oh, man, I, I would have loved to have done a Jewel concert. That would have been awesome. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, this was before they were famous for like, reality tv and all that um they were just regular famous for being pop stars um so yeah we we hung out with them and it was super cool and so we had to go to like they weren't going to sleep in it or anything but we weren't allowed to sleep in it so we had to go to the hotel to sleep we get a call at like 1 a.m from somebody with their team and they're like um it's like a monsoon outside and the uh, awning is open and it looks like it's going to break if, you know, if you guys care. So of course we cared. We would get in trouble if it broke. So we run down and it is, it is literally a monsoon. It is pouring rain and super high winds for whatever reason. I don't remember why we couldn't put the awning up right then. I think it had already bent. So we decided our only course of action was to attach ourselves to the awning, to grab it and just, Hold it. I just be weights. <laughs> so we are two stupid 19 and 20 year olds. And we <laughs> holding the awning for the rental RV for 98 degrees in the middle of a rainstorm. I think in we Cincinnati. were I think we were there for hours. It was a super long time before the storm let up enough that we could like jam the awning back uh, enough to where it would, you know, wouldn't fly open again. And then, so this this whole experience comes to an end. And as we're driving back home, we're talking, and we both realized, like, A, we never really said we liked 98 degrees. (laughs) And B, this was, like, a lot of work, and it was over a weekend. And we're like, this was not a gift to us at all from our – like, he told us this was a gift. He totally tricked us. (laughs) Like, we're like, this is – Kind of like aside from meeting four kind of nice guys and playing Nintendo with them, I could have done without everything else. <laughs> so a couple of a clarify a clarification and a couple of questions. First off, clarification: the dealer is in the Cleveland area. You're driving down to Cincinnati. That's like a three and a half hour drive, right? Oh, that's like that's like four. That's like that's more than three. It's a long drive. But back then, if you were within driving distance, we would deliver the RV anywhere and like and like be there for you. And that actually it turned into a big business for for uh, my family's RV rental company is renting RVs to production shoots and stuff. And that's what you would do. You would you would drive the RV there, sit with it for the day while the talent used it and then go home. My dad met LeBron James uh, Shaquille O'Neal and a bunch of other people who were shooting commercials in and around Cleveland when, when those guys were on the Cavs. Um, so it turned into kind of a nice little uh, side hustle for, for the RV rental business. Uh, but it kind of kicked off with this very weird 98 degrees rental uh, in Cincinnati. And so I got to ask, did you ever see Jessica Simpson since that's what you were there for? No. No, and, and honestly, if we had, I think the drive back would have been totally different conversations of like, that was totally <laughs> worth it. Totally worth it. Instead, it was just like, yeah, again, four, four, four nice dudes who invited us to play Nintendo. 
you know, I could have done that at home, <laughs> but whatever. So um, I've, I've got to chime in here really quick because believe it or not, I might actually have a related 98 degrees just a really brief story. <laughs> really? This is bizarre. Okay. Is this like six degrees of 98 degrees? <laughs> it could be. So, so flash forward to, I think it was 2012 or 2013. Um, I'm in mid-Michigan in my other life as a marketing communications person at a wood chipper company and doing pretty well. And, of course, my wife and I are both from the 80s. She learns that new kids on the block and 98 degrees are doing this tour thing and they're playing a casino in Mount Pleasant. So she's like, I want to get tickets. I want to get tickets. And I was like, will you go with, she was like, will you go with me? I'm like, okay. And, and to be honest, I mean, it was, it, it was a good show, but they actually, new kids <laughs> on the block were actually louder than Motley Crue that was there like, like a, a few weeks prior. So it, it was a decent show, but she got like, the tickets like not you know nosebleed in the back like you know she can see up their freaking noses so like you're getting their you're getting their sweat on you so 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 yeah so i mean it, it was it was kind of pricey so i'm like well if you're gonna do this then i'm gonna get an 03 svt cobra convertible <laughs> oh my god <laughs> And I did. That hell of a negotiation. <laughs> and I did. So the tickets, so, thousands so that, of dollars. So, so that was the trade. So that that was. This the is trade. the April Fool's part, right? The connective tissue between those two things feels very thin to me. <laughs> uh, we we were talking about the car prior to the show, but then we okay. went to the okay. show, and new kids on the block. They were doing their thing. They're like, "Fellas, we see out there. You, we know that. Hey, you, you won. The girls with you, you won." But we're her first love, and and the girls are clapping. And there was like there was a woman next to me. She was like, "Oh my God, you so earned getting that car right now." Wow! <laughs> just, just for listening. I feel like to that only car. Donnie Wahlberg oh. said that. <laughs> I, I think here. it was. I think it was. So that's so. Hey, the the Cobra that that the concert sealed the deal. So thank you, ninety eight degrees. Yeah, ninety eight degrees for a Cobra is a pretty good trade. Well done. Okay. Do you guys just want to pivot to telling stories about 98 degrees? <laughs> I can tell you about. Oh my God. Do you have one too? <laughs> no, I don't. All I did was watch the reality show and I don't even remember when and I don't have any significant stories about it. I probably, <laughs> uh, I, I don't even want to say what I was any, any, doing. Any other, any other pop bands from the 90s? <sighs> mm. so I, I can tell you. So we've got a minute here so i can do the story in a minute the greatest concert do you guys remember girl talk who did like mashups of yeah rap i saw girl talk and, yep i saw girl talk in a bar that held like a hundred people and it turned mm -hmm. out that the girl i went with knew his brother or the the girl i went with girl talk knew her brother and was like really cool with us and i talked to him before the show is the greatest concert i've ever been to just a small room, wow. <laughs> everyone moving around. It was a fantastic event. I saw. Would you drive to the show? Oh, that's I walked there because I was in college. Uh, <laughs> I saw Oasis play in a high school auditorium. Oasis? Whoa, yeah. Really? Where? Wow. Uh, Lakewood, Ohio. I don't know why what? they played the Lakewood High School Auditorium. Are you sure it was the was real it last year? <laughs> <laughs> last year. No, it was it was like ninety seven <laughs> or ninety eight or something, and that I was mean, like their it, high point. It was a really nice auditorium. It wasn't like a gym. John, that that didn't like actually happen. 
It was like it was like a full. It was like the it was like the auditorium for musicals and plays and stuff dedicated to that. So it could seat like a thousand. It was people. still a Cleveland area high school. Like it, this was. They could have played somewhere that. else. That, no, that didn't strange. happen. You're confusing that with a movie PCU where George Clinton oh, plays at a frat house. Great movie. <laughs> that that a Jeremy Piven joint. Great movie. Great callback. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't know why they were there. And what did I drive? I was probably driving, oh, one of the RV, right? No, no, no. I was probably driving a 1982 or 83 Toyota Celica GT, the kind of year before it became the Supra. And it had, it had fat wheel arches and louvers on the back. It was red. That's hot, man. That's a good car. It was of the cars I owned before, like in high school, it cost like I think thirteen hundred dollars to buy. The engine was a four cylinder, and it was so smooth. Mm-hmm. It was it was the coolest car I I had owned up until I was like thirty seven. <laughs> like it was <laughs> it was it was that good. Uh, but yeah, the, the car was cooler than the concert for sure. Well, and you also had correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you have a Dodge Challenger? Not not the first gen, the unknown second gen. Not the third gen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I was it a challenger or a charger? Because I had the one that was basically a front wheel drive shitbox. That's the so, charger. That, that, that the was, challenger's yeah, the yeah. Mitsubishi. Charger. I had the yeah. charger then. And oh, okay. I thought it, I thought you had the challenger, which it was, was the it was the worst car I ever owned because it was a hand me down that came down from <laughs> two older brothers. During my tenure with it, which didn't last over a year. The seat back of the passenger uh, passenger seat just broke. It just fell limp backwards, and my friend i my friend I drove to school just had to engage his ab muscles while we drove to school <laughs> for a month, and and then in the course of one week, it popped two tires, and on the second pop, I got out of the car, walked twenty yards ahead, and grabbed what I thought was just like a snowball. And I threw it at the car, but it was a it was chunk a rock? of it was it was a chunk of ice or a rock or something. <laughs> it, was, it, it was freezing out. It hit the grill and basically shattered it. And I was oh like, God. I'm, "I'm done with this car. I'm only like 17, but I know enough that this is just an awful ownership experience." I gave it back to my one of my older brothers, and he drove it unmercifully into the ground. It had a horrible death. And I I, I moved on from that car. <laughs> haven't, that haven't doesn't have a horrible death. It, its name was its name was Roger. Okay. And, and all I can remember is it got that name because the paint on the hood and the clear coat had peeled. So it had turned that white color that paint does when it, you know. Yep. Yeah, when it fades mm-hmm. away. So we all thought it looked like a distinguished gentleman with a streak of white hair. And so, nice. it, and so we called it Roger, but yeah, oh. uh, F that car. I hate that car. We have a new <laughs> guest here with us. Um, welcome, John Fry. Uh, you can see here it's uh, Chris, Bruce and, Chris Bruce and Chris Smith, the regular hosts of Rambling About Cars. We have Seth Mearsma and John Neff. John is the, what, global managing editor of Motor One. And uh, we're happy to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, oh, we love you. having you on. Hey, John. That's Welcome yeah, back, we, John. Thanks for g- giving this crazy ramble a second go, and uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time today. I know you're a busy guy. I, I know you were you were just trying to to get in there at the last second, so we appreciate you joining. Yeah, Neff just 
Neff, Neff just told us a story about renting a, uh, a an RV to the band 98 Degrees. Um, uh, they were a boy band in the late 90s. They were kind of the third tier below Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Um, but it was uh, a great story. That's being generous. But <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you played Nintendo was, with them. Come on. I, I think there was one or two more tiers between them and, and the big guns. But... Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You missed a thriller of a tale. Yeah, bands and uh, touring vehicles of various sorts are the uh, the source of a lot of uh, dramatic stories. I mean, you got the the Black Sabbath or Ozzy Osbourne accidents, and then the, the Dave Matthews uh, sewage uh, spill. Oh, yeah, that one's famous. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way: ninety degrees. Their tier is that they didn't have a tour bus; they rented a motorhome from my family's business, <laughs> and we drove it down from Cleveland to Cincinnati. So that was the tier that ninety-eight degrees was on. <laughs> right. How still, many, how many people are in ninety-eight degrees? Four. Two I, brothers. Five. Four. Five. Something like no, that. Four. But okay. I still got I, I should know. <laughs> of course, you're the expert. It's probably better than not even being the headline band, but the opening band at the Soaring Eagle Casino in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. <laughs> many, many years later. I, I think 98 Degrees claim to fame, besides Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson, is that one of their members was the oldest looking person ever in a famous boy band. <laughs> the <laughs> oldest, youngest man. In the yeah, world. yeah. And, and no offense to him. He was, he's a wonderful singer and looked like a great guy. But he, I mean, he was full on middle-aged balding at the time. And it's like, I think you got your marketing message a little mixed up for the audience. Uh, they're, Just they're not looking for Little makeup, little hair dye. Yeah, well, well hold on, one one camp disease or something like that. Like there was never a young version of him. Yeah, exactly. Like he, I think he always I'm looked a grizzled that version. Real wow. quick here, I'm gonna have to zoom this in. It's the guy on the right, right? Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's the one with the hat. Yeah, he's yeah, this hat balding. So it's the one with the hat. And look, I'm 42. I'm not gonna uh, make fun of anybody who has thinning hair. Uh, but we're the kind of people who don't get called to be in boy bands. Well, when you have to stand next to the sun, that is Nick Lachey, right? Yeah. Like that's different. Look at that. That's Look at that. Difficult. Handsome man. Handsome he's, man, Nick Lachey. He's like the, the proto Taylor Lautner. <laughs> I, 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 I think we're, we're trending a little bit away from cool car yeah, stories. We are. We are. Maybe, Let's go from one John to, to another. Another John. Mr. Mr. John Fry, you're just an incredibly talented artist. Uh, if you didn't catch our podcast from a few weeks back, John was on um, talking about the, some of the things that he's put up on his Instagram, some of his great works of art. Um, but John, you have an interesting car story for us today. Um, I, if I'm understanding correctly, can you share that with us? Yeah, I wanted to share an image with you. Um, okay, yeah. And I want you guys to all look at it. And if you know what it is, don't say what it is. We'll try to see if everybody's on the same page. Okay. Okay. Okay, we're going to have a little bit of a guessing game here. Yep. You're going to press share there at the bottom and then share screen and then window or Chrome tab. Okay. Um, and I, since I'm an admin, I will be the one doing that. And this makes me a little nervous because if, you've seen, first. If, if anybody has gone to John's Instagram, uh, Frywork on Instagram, he has a lot of images that he can choose from. I like um, the obscure stuff. We do too. 
we 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 do as well. And I'll be honest, I I'm a bit nervous right now. I don't know I'm what not to nervous. I'm curious. Like I, yeah, I'm right. nervous because I I can't stand being wrong, and I'm it, that happens because I'm wrong constantly. So share like I should be yep. used to it by now. And then share screen. All right. And then you can share. You see there's three tabs, share entire screen, window, or Chrome tab. So I don't know what it is you want to share, but pick that one, and I will add it to the stream for all All our YouTube listeners. Here it comes now. I see it. And what are we looking at here? Oh, wow. What is that? Okay, so, so for those not watching on YouTube... Go to YouTube, Motor One Podcast on YouTube. But for those that can, I understand. We are looking at. I need to adjust my glasses here. That's a that's a green front engine race. <laughs> it's blue. Is is it blue? Yeah, it's kind it of a glass classical it- bluish metallic. Just like okay, well maybe I'm colorblind as well as as well as Ron all the time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a blue. It looks kind of green on my screen. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a bluish race car. Um, that, what is that? Looks like we got uh, we got carburetor stacks out the hood. Looks yeah, like we it, got velocity stacks. You know, just just a bubble roof. It looks like something from the sixties. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's like a Daytona Spider that someone who had never seen a Daytona Spider drew. Yeah, so yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's like outsider art for yeah thing or something. And the the roof is is bizarre, wild. Yeah. So yeah, I came across these. Uh, I don't know, on some message board years ago and was just mm-hmm. fascinated with them, uh, especially because the cars in this race series all have this similar kind of roof treatment and they mm-hmm. all have front engines. So nobody knows what it is, right? Well, <laughs> well, I'm I'm absolutely not. It looks like okay. it has wheels from like a 1980s IROC Camaro, though. Yeah, so this <laughs> is what uh, we call Argentina sports prototype. An Argentina sports prototype. Wow, John, I love oh. having you on because you got the coolest ideas of stuff. Whoa. Whoa. Look, at, look at this guy here. That's the original clown shoe right there. And it's yeah. it's hard to find pics of them as well. Here, here's the with Whoa. The heavy with this paint scheme. Is so it's a wild. it's like a single seat in the center, and the roof. I mean the the roof is only like two or three feet wide and then it flays out into the body. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's almost like a 30 streamliner, but interpreted through the sixties. It's no, it looks like so, it's from speed racer or it, yeah, it's, totally does. You're right. yeah, it totally and, does. Uh, uh, Reutemann, uh, Carlos Reutemann, the F1 driver, he was in the uh-huh. series uh, early on, apparently. Um, wow. So some people came out of there. So Argentina has, has, somewhat of a race history with Fangio, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I can figure out is I think they had a height, minimum height requirement at some point. That's why they had the odd uh, roof uh, treatment. And then also there's a requirement for front engine. But there are some mid-engine cars. This is kind of a beauty. It's a little bit that, thin, but um, it's it's pretty nicely proportioned. Totally. That page you're looking at, that, can you click on the blue car that's on the left with the yeah, huge the high wing, wing, but looks like an, I don't know what it looks like. And, uh, and this is this is a racing series um, in Argentina from back in the yeah. day. Yeah. I never, I never Whoa. heard of this. And these, these are some of the weirdest slash coolest cars I've seen yeah. in a while. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I, I, 
been kind of poking around trying to find more information about it, but I haven't found uh, a whole so lot. I think we might be able to help you because we recently launched Motor One Argentina and we have a couple of guys down there uh, who work on a site. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So oh. we can uh, we can hook you up with them to see if they've heard about this or can uh, unearth any more information uh, on the ground there. So I'll sell you one. <laughs> Would you like? Are you interested in buying one? Can we put you in a in a sports car today, John? I need we to get a, uh, get a longer garage. Yeah, but you know, I would right, buy those a die cast, are, like an eighteen scale of them or something. They're it's absolutely just, striking, though, because it's like this yeah. weird mashup of stuff from the '60s, but then stuff from pre-war, but then stuff from the aerodynamic era. Like, yeah. And there was yeah. some weird stuff that was behind the Iron Curtain, some Soviet racing series that was open mm-hmm. wheel in the, the 70s. And the cars looked really, really sketchy. But it looked <laughs> like they were looking at pictures of F1 cars from the 60s. It <laughs> you know, was about 10 to 15 years behind. And I think that's how they made all their machinery. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah. there's there's stuff that pops up every once in a while. It's like I've never seen that before. And, you know, I've been on the planet for uh, – many decades looking at yeah. car books looking at car sites day in day out and some people pop up it's like how have i never seen that before and i, and I don't know if it's, i'm just getting old and i'm forgetting uh, <laughs> but it's just like that is a totally amazing how can that have existed and, and i haven't found well i mean that's it's a that's a good point um i know i mean we will get comments and articles various things from time to time how could you not know about this and yeah and, and after a while, it's just like you start to think, yeah, I've seen it all. And then something pops up to remind you, nope. I, I had I had that experience. I had that experience recently when I discovered um, the I just looked it up again, the SMZ cycle car, which was a small car in Russia that had no foot pedals. It, it, it was all you could control it by your hands. And in Soviet Russia, it was given for free to disabled people so that they could drive. Uh, you know, people who were injured in war and didn't have the use of their legs or something. And they, of course, they were horrible cars. But I thought it was just so cool that they had a version of universal health care that gave cars to disabled people uh, to yeah. use for free. Um, and now they're kind of collected and and uh, if any of them survived. But but yeah, I was like, how have I grown up and never heard of this car? And again, we have a Motor One Russia. So I asked them about it. And they were like. They're like, oh yeah, we'll you'll see some of those rotting in fields every once in a while, mm-hmm. and, and and see them around. It, it, yeah, it, that's it. That that's it. Oh, that's yeah, it. We're yeah. looking at it now on YouTube. Um, the SMZ cycle car. Yep. Well, that I mean, that's I mean, that's like a a car. <laughs> I don't mean to sound surprised, but I mean, I, you know, I'm picturing okay, it's, what's it going to be like like a little PLP fifty or something? No, it's yeah, a I mean, car. I mean, that's, that, yeah, that's that's a legit car. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. Soviet standards, it's it's up there. It looks solid. and it had this cool um, paddle mechanism for braking and accelerating on the steering wheel. So it was like technologically innovative for the time as well. And, hmm. and I'm like, cool. I'm like, I want the U.S. to build a disabled car and hand it out to like that'd be a sweet. Like, Is it sure they so cool? uh, made a car from scratch that didn't retrofit a Trabant or? They could have. <laughs> I mean, there was so much of that going around then. Yeah. Uh, then and there, but it, I mean, it looks original. Yeah. So, John, we were talking about cars from behind the Iron Curtain, and I know this has been brought up. So two of uh, my frequent – two of the people I work with all the time, Angel and Adrian, one of us from Bulgaria, one is from Romania, but they have referenced this. This is the Melkus. This is from East Germany, 
and oh, it was like that's kind of uh, gorgeous. Yeah, it 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 was the East German race car. Essentially, like if you were kind of high up in East Germany, this is what you could take racing. Um, it uses like a 1.3 liter engine. Like it is not a fast vehicle. Mm. It just looks yeah. really cool. But yeah. um, could it outrun? Bullets or the SS? I mean, could you get away? <laughs> it could outrun a Trabant, and that's probably about it. Yeah, well, that's all you need. It, it, it also looks like it maybe shares front engine. It's got to be got mid-engine, engine, right? It's mid-engine, I'm pretty sure, yeah. It's so low down. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that the wheels are tiny, and then the hood is, is super low, too, so it's got to be back there. There are not a lot of opens and closes on those Goldwing doors either. They, I can't. I can barely see the struts that are controlling those, but I, they don't. They don't look robust to me. It's like Delorean minus. You just you just you, you jam your AK forty seven in 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 there sure. to keep the door. Just up. hold it. Yeah, human power. So, so I just looked it up. It is a three cylinder, two stroke, one liter engine. So a two stroke. Yeah. Wow, that's all you it's need. It's a two stroke. <laughs> My lawnmower doesn't need more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, there's, so there's sobs that were kind of a similar engine. Yeah, uh, yeah t- two-stroke sobs. Yeah, but yeah. I was curious, John. Um, you personally, so you it, you showed us something I'm really interested in. Now I want to look at our weird Argentinian cars. You personally, have you had any interesting experiences in cars, like adventures, something like that, that you've been on? Uh, let me see. <laughs> I mean, I've driven a lot of really interesting cars through my career. Uh, We've, you know, had uh, cars to test out and uh, drive around L.A. that were not American cars. So, you know, unusual things like uh, the uh, Citroen. uh, What was that? Not the Picasso. It was like a big, big van. it It was a van and the whole roof. Uh, came open. Oh, I don't know which one that is. Yeah, not a Marlingo. No, no, it was, it was big. No. Huh. Uh, yeah, the the smart roadster was kind of fun. So some of these cars, oh, yeah. like they're really good for like Mulholland or something. Honda Beat was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I got a lot. Of oh, tell me about driving a Honda Beat because that's one that's definitely on my list of wanting to own someday. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was talking to some friends about you know cars we've driven over our you know, the many years. And what's mm-hmm. very interesting to me is remembering the feel of everything, like the, the feel of the shifter, the feel of the, the steering, you know, the weight of the shift after so many years and being so familiar with that. And it's, it's weird that it, it gets ingrained in your head, mm-hmm. but the, the beat is of course, it's a K uh, size car, mid engine, uh, teeny tiny, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not a big guy, but if, if I would reach over, um, to the passenger side, I could touch the outside of the passenger door. Um, oh, wow. It had a, a zebra stripe interior. And, you know, it wasn't made for freeways, so you got really, really buzzy. But once you got on a road like Mulholland or like Pacific Crest Highway or whatever, you know, it was, it was just perfect. And um, I, I was driving it one night, late at night in the dark, coming up the backside of um, Palos Verdes, uh, peninsula there's there's some neat roads up there mm-hmm. and um i came around the corner and you know a tight corner going 
too fast. Uh, <laughs> okay. But um, the headlights illuminated two cats sitting in the road uh, facing each other. And uh, <laughs> I, I have like to make a decision. House cats you know? or like? Yeah, house cats. Alert. Okay, sorry, because I know I, in that area I, there are bigger I, cats. So. I think yeah. he came upon a fight about to break out. I think that's what happened there. But Dude, uh, the way that the car was waiting, I was it was weighted. I wasn't going to make any you know sharp turns or break or anything. Mm-hmm. I had to mm-hmm. be very very quick and make a decision on what I was going to do. And and bo- basically both of them went opposite direction. And I went in between them. Oh my god. <laughs> That was dramatic. The I thought you I were going to have to choose. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, choose. It's yeah, like, like play God choice. with your, yeah, play God with your Honda Beat. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend that was driving around there, and uh, it was a similar experience about, you know, coming around a bend or coming over a hill or something, and his headlights illuminated a monkey in the middle of the road. Wait, and what? And he said that was absolutely <laughs> terrifying because it looked like a little alien or something. So I don't know who, what uh, Rich... Uh, movie stars house i was from, i was but. driving on a straight road once and my headlights illuminated a cat but i was i was going perfectly straight at like 50 miles an hour there was no reaction time and i had a bunch of my it was in high school i had a bunch of my friends in the car we all screamed heard a thump and oh, we no. just kept going and we were we oh, screamed no. for the next five minutes oh no oh, you god john that, john i i wow. bring that mood down wow. i i had precious cargo of my own in the car i couldn't swerve it was just like, this is going to happen. And we thought, look, either we're going to like skim its hair by, by a centimeter or there's going to be contact, and, and there oh. unfortunately was contact. So. Well, let, let me raise the mood a little bit higher with my quick animal story. This is a bit of South Dakota life. I'm driving with a bunch of Mustangs, I'll admit. It's like 11 p.m. We're going down the highway on a midnight run out to the South Dakota Badlands. There is nobody on Interstate 90. It is black. It is empty. It is dark. I'm in the lead. I don't know why they let me lead. That's a stupid, ridiculous idea. You never, ever let me lead a car cruise. And I'm just busting down the highway, and I've got my high beams on, and I come over a hill. And just at about the the limit of my lights, and we're doing, well, the speed limit's 80 miles an hour out here in this part of South Dakota. So we're doing at least 80 miles an hour. You're doing 90. Let's not lie. The speedometer was actually reading 110, but I never. <laughs> I, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I yeah, never, it's a Mustang. So I yeah, never so. changed. I never changed the gear. I, I never changed the speedometer gear in the transmission when I did the rear end gear. So it always okay. reads. That, that's that's a little Mustang trick for for people that don't know. We always lie about the speed, and that's how we get there. <laughs> Anyways, at the very range of my headlights, I see a deer standing in the left lane. Now, ordinarily, you think deer in the road, ooh, you know, brakes, take action. My initial thought was, oh, he's far enough away. He sees me. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> but, well, I, but actually, he did. And after, like, a second, it's like, wait a minute. It doesn't matter. It's a deer. So, I, you know, hit the brakes, slow down. We move over. The deer casually walks off the road. I swear, all, the, all of my deer encounters out here, they, like, they're along the side of the road. They look up. They see you. They move away. They don't run smart away. Smart deer out there. So maybe maybe smart deer. But I didn't just say, "Oh, I'm going to have to hit him." Well, they, yeah. they didn't. He didn't run because it's a Mustang. So you know, he knew <laughs> so he had not a, a million not a years person, of. Uh, I'll just meander on. They they haven't figured out cars yet. That's that's a new thing that hasn't been. Uh, 
put into their uh, genetics yet to pass that information down. They don't calculate something that fast moving that that speed. I've I've heard plenty of stories of deer hitting the sides of cars, like that they, can't, can, yeah. they can't figure out something moving that fast approaching them. I guess their eyes no aren't really, yeah, they don't have like the depth perception perhaps with the spacing and direction of their eyes to figure out the, the mental calculation of, of speed of an object coming towards me. Yep. Yeah. So I, have, my, I, I was quick, in my early, uh, real quick, I was in my early teens, like I was probably 12, 13. My dad was driving down just a normal road that he drove down every day to get home from work. He saw a deer. Didn't really think anything of it. Smashed into the back end of his uh, Jeep Wrangler. Like he, he didn't hit it. It hit him. And then it walked <laughs> away. <laughs> Those are my favorite when the car is stationary and the, like the animal just plows into it. <laughs> oh, no. He was driving. The, the deer still hit him. The deer was like, well, I'm fine and kept going. But yeah. Wow. All right, Seth, you got to go now. We got to hear your animal story. Before Seth jumps in, we have to welcome Miss Alanis King. Wait, she podcast. can't hear us yet, can she? Oh, you I did. can hear you. Hello, okay, cool. here's me and Hello, cat. Oh man! Speaking of thank animals, God, thank God <laughs> your cat wasn't around for the last couple of stories. Oh my! Yeah, would have been really tragic. Trauma, trauma. Neff and his stories. Thank you very much, Alanis, for coming back and joining this this Absolutely. crazy this crazy cavalcade of car chatter. I know um, you absolutely. have limited time, so we are going to let you go next. Ooh, but yeah, how exciting. We are, so we've we've had a story. Whatever in our stories, we've had. I'm sure you're familiar with the band 98 Degrees. John Neff told us about uh, experience with the band. John Fry told us about uh, driving a Honda Beat, and that's kind of where we are. And we just can well, share well, random well, stories. John also he also educated us on the racing series oh, of Argentina. Of Argentina, which he did absolutely he did. fascinating cars. And at some point, John, I would like to ask you if if those cars influenced any of the artwork that you post on your Instagram. Um, maybe we can get that a little bit later. And Seth, I promise we're, we're, we might be saving the best for last because Seth has one hell of a cool Absolutely. story. He does. To tell us. But Alanis, yeah, thanks for jumping in. Thanks for joining us. We gal us all with, and uh, maybe it's a mistake just giving you an open book. <laughs> last time we looked up a lot of Chris Angel facts. Last time we had lots of Chris Angel content. Tell us, tell us some crazy wacky car stories. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I have one story that came to mind because I was thinking about you know April Fools and something that I think back to that still feels like an April Fools joke. Uh, every time I think about it, I'm like, that's not real. That didn't happen. So. Uh, I would say it was like three years ago or so, I went to the launch, the American launch for the KTM Crossbow Comp R at Sonoma okay. Raceway, okay? Yes. And there were six of us there, six of us. That was that was it. Like, they did not invite many people to this thing. Mm-hmm. So there are six of us there, five dudes and me, okay? And I know two or three of these dudes, and then it's me. So we all sit down at dinner. Um, It's all guys except for me and this one woman who works at KTM, right? So, and then everybody on the trip who's driving the car, all guys. So I sit next to the woman who works for KTM. We don't look anything alike. We have blonde hair, but it's different shades of blonde. Look nothing alike, right? So I sit down at dinner, this guy across from me, he's gonna remain unnamed. Um, 
very popular uh, car guy and car broadcaster is sitting across from me. Oh, and no. this guy looks at me and he goes, you know, young lady, this car is a stick. Do you know how to drive stick? <laughs> and groan. Oh, and I'm like, my man, there are six people here and I'm one of them. So instead of saying, actually, this car comes in a stick and a DSG, because it comes in both, instead of saying that, instead of correcting him, I said, why would you ask me that? And he said, I'm just curious. I, I just I want to make sure you can drive stick. Uh, I, I want to make sure you know what you're doing tomorrow. And I go, yeah, I'm, I can drive stick. Mm-hmm. And he goes, have you ever driven on a racetrack before? And I was like, Yep. <laughs> yes, I've driven on a racetrack before. Actually, uh, a few months ago, I competed in a car race at Shanghai International Circuit where they run Formula One. And he goes, and those cars, were they automatics? And I was oh, like, wow. Can I punch this guy? Uh, yeah, this is like, can, I just, can I just punch this, this guy? Worse. Please. please. Uh, so, yeah, he asked me if they were automatics. And I was like, no, they were sticks. Yep, they, they were sticks. You know, you did that. Yeah, shift it over and then up to get into first, you know. It's got three <laughs> pedals. You got one all the way on the left. You got to press them. Yeah, that is crazy stuff, my dude. Revolutionary. So I said, yeah, they were sticks. Um, said I haven't been on track since that race because it, it was actually pretty dangerous. Uh, they didn't have Hans devices. They didn't give proper instruction. My translator I, did not tell me the right things. I remember thing. reading that article. I remember yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. My yeah. my translator thought the clutch, I think, was the middle pedal. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is going well. <laughs> my translator told me that um, the lights, because it's Formula One track, and in Formula One, the lights tell you when to go on the standing start grid. So uh-huh. the translator told me that the lights would go off and then there would be a yellow light telling me to go. Okay. Mm. And so this is obviously counterintuitive because in yeah. Formula One and FIA events, when the lights go out, that's when you go. So hence yeah. what they say in the Formula One broadcast, it's lights out and away we go. No, they said lights out and a yellow light and away we go. And I was like, that sounds wrong. I'm well, just gonna well, wait. Wait, <laughs> wait but isn't that how it works in um, in America? At least you see the yellow light and you freaking floor it. You go exactly. That's yes, <laughs> the yellow light and you go. And yeah. so I just said, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna look at what everybody else does and I'm gonna do that. Um, so anyway, I was like, yeah, I haven't haven't driven on track since that because that was a little jarring. It was a little dangerous. He asked me all these questions all night, extremely patronizing, just like. You know, just young lady vibes. Just, oh, young lady. Leave me alone, dude. I'm here to work. Um, (laughs) And so whole night just patronizes me. We spend the whole night talking. Hour, hour and a half. Looks me in the eyes the whole time. Doesn't doesn't talk to the other woman. Okay. Next morning, I get to breakfast and I sit down. Here he comes. He sits next to me. He goes, oh, man. He goes, I hear you race cars. And I was like, I, I, as I told you last night, I have raced cars before and I have not raced cars in a long time. Uh, do you know why he, do you know why he said that? 
Anybody have a guess as to why he said that, please? Like, you were the PR person? He thought I was the PR person. The only oh other God. woman there. There was one other woman. One other woman. He spent the whole night patronizing me. And then we wake up the next morning and he did not register my face enough to know that it was me he was talking to. He thought I was the other woman. Alana, it's probably because you weren't smiling enough. It's you know, because I, I wasn't that. smiling oh, enough. Yeah, I've heard that before. That, that can be a problem for some, for some men. He sounds like a- What ratio is this guy? Can I, can I distance um, myself from people? This guy is an older man who's a very popular uh, personality on uh, uh, automotive videos. And races cars. Can I ask you a very would you describe him as a boomer? (laughs) That's what I was looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yes. Okay. That's fine. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, oh, I've said who it was before, but uh, he got so upset by me saying it that I I was informed that he was physically ill after he first told me. He first told me, I've never met you. And I was like, believe me, I know. <laughs> I know you don't remember me. You didn't remember me then. He said, this lady's on drugs. I've never met her. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So yeah, is he a heavy drinker, this clown? Did he Did he uh, smell like our old scotch the next listen, morning? Listen, no personal judgments about the man. All I know <laughs> is that um, I was informed that after I publicly mentioned this and mentioned who it was, uh, he, he felt physically ill all day. But he never felt physically ill enough to apologize to me. Oh, yeah. Mm. Not what a good. We'll figure out who he is. We'll put his name in the show notes and just go. <laughs> oh, there, you go. there you go. Have fun. Go on a scavenger hunt. And I mean, joining can... us next on the podcast. <laughs> go on a scavenger hunt. You can figure it out. Uh, come oh, back. Man. Did you kick his ass on the on, on the track when you were when you were driving the crossbow. So it's no, no, he's a very good he's a very good track driver. And so this was. I didn't say if he was good. I'm just. Did you hit him? Uh, no, I didn't hit him. Uh, this was actually one of the things that I, I actually wanted to leave. Um, I messaged my boss and I said, I don't want to do this. Like, I actually want to go home. Um, I don't want to be around this guy. And what made it worse was the fact that everyone there was very experienced on track. I, I do track day twice a year, three times a year. Okay. Like I, for how much I do on track, I am very good on track. Like if I go to an event, an automotive event, I'm probably going to be in the three fastest people there if there are like 30 people. But I am not these guys' level of experience. Like these guys are like track day guys. This was a free-for-all event, okay? It was not lead follow. It was not instruction. It was not here's how to hit the apex. It was you're going to go out in groups of three because there are six of us, three at a time, we're just going to send you on Sonoma. Have fun. And I was like, the last thing I'm going to let happen. It's the last, I'm not going to let this man pass me. I would rather <laughs> hit a wall and light my ass on fire from the engine exploding. I will sacrifice this vehicle and his vehicle yes. before I'll let that happen. Yes. Like I was like, I would rather break my collarbone then let this man catch me on track. And he, no one caught me. No. Oh, no. Yes, very good. I was, whoo! And I still think (laughs) back to that, and I think of how mad, 
And the man would not stop sitting next to me. I was like, go away. I don't want to talk to you. Um, yeah, that was, I, Honestly, I think back to that. The information, the information you gave us about him only narrows it down for me to like 25 people. Oh, yeah, in this yeah, yeah. Industry. Like, <laughs> only like 25 people. Right. Yeah, the, exactly. number of, the number of carbros I could pin that on is pretty, uh-huh. pretty high. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, if there were only six of us there, you can see who wrote the KTM Crossbow Comp R stories true. from That's Sonoma. True. Have fun. That's there's true. only there's only one in that age group. Have fun. You figure it out. It was okay. It was a time. Um, and when I look back at it, it still feels like an elaborate April Fool's joke because I could not believe I woke up that morning and the man mistook me for the one other woman who was there. Oh. Well, Alanis, <laughs> I, I know you have limited time with us. So after that absolutely harrowing story. Thank you. Please promote the Rich Energy book. I know June, July it comes out, right? I, I, I believe it's going to be about September, October. Um, oh, okay. I'm so, sorry. I thought this one was yeah. July. Okay. Uh, a couple months later. So uh, it's actually in edits right now. And then once it gets back from edits, we will make an index and finalize everything, put it on the pages and print it. Uh, so, yes, I have written a book, am writing a book, am about to publish a book about the Rich Energy Haas Formula One team. If you have watched wow. Drive to Survive on Netflix or if you've watched Formula One, the real thing, you will recognize it as the black and gold sponsor of that team in 2019. And it did not last very long because everything was a mess. Um, so the book is the story of how it came together and how it so quickly and so publicly and so interestingly fell apart. Um, it'll be out later this year, September or October. You can find out more at richenergybook.com or on my social media accounts, Alanis, A-L-A-N-I-S, in, we got a middle initial, King, K-I-N-G. I couldn't do Alanis King because some man named Alan believes he is royalty. <laughs> Alan is King. Yeah. Uh, I'm going I'm to I'm pre-order it on, on Amazon right now. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. That, and it's perfect timing because even though we have a huge uh, motorsport.com website, mm-hmm. uh, I have never really been into racing until like mm-hmm. the last two years when I did mm-hmm. watch the Netflix series. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now my wife and I are obsessed fans and uh-huh. we, we root against uh, the, the villains and, and root for <laughs> Uh, the good guys in this Love epic it. battle of open wheel racing. So you make yeah. it sound like it's WWE. It really that is, is. I mean, exactly it is. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> are you kidding? It really kind of is. But yeah, that that's my book. Really excited about it. It's coming out later this year. Um, I can't wait. I walk around with my Rich Energy book umbrella, and people see it and they're like, "What's that?" And I actually walked around with the Rich Energy book umbrella at the. Uh, 24 hours of Daytona, and as soon as I popped it out, it wasn't raining, it wasn't anything, it was overcast, but I just wanted to have my umbrella out so people could see it. As soon as I popped it out, we did like a little zipper thing to get into the garage, like the crowds of people, and so like I was coming in from this zipper, and Kevin Magnuson, who drove for the Rich Energy Haas F1 team, was coming in from this zipper. The man walked behind me for about five minutes with my umbrella popped out, and I bet he had a lot of memories come back. <laughs> I can't believe not all good. <laughs> not all good memories. But now Kevin is back with the Haas Formula One team in a in a very bizarre sequence of events, and he has scored points yeah. twice in a row. So congratulations, yeah. Kevin Magnuson. For sure, but, absolutely. By the way, Alanis, I'm I'm a yes. big fan of yours. 
I, I've, I've read your stuff for a while and I also feel like a kindred spirit because I noticed on your, on your Twitter that you two are a lover of chilies. Oh, um, I love chilies. Wow. I, I think, uh, this, the, these three guys here, uh, the two Chris's and Seth know my history with chilies when, uh, I would drag them to chilies when yes. we would all be at an auto show and they would want to go somewhere fancy. Chilies with you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and every vacation I, I go experience. on. That's my touchstone. That's mm-hmm. my like, I feel, I feel safe. I feel safe there. Yeah. Exactly. I feel safe at Chili's and actually Chili's really likes me too. Now um, Chili's sends me things. Uh, they've, they've sent me a necklace that says what? Chili's in cursive. It's a gold necklace. Like, you know, wow. that they're supposed to say your name. It says Chili's in cursive and they sent me giant margarita earrings. Oh. Um, Perks of being margarita earrings. Perk of being an influencer, man. I gotta, I gotta get my my uh, Twitter followers up to get to that. Listen, level. like, uh, I am actually having like a battle of the chain restaurants right now. So Chili's sent me a, a like a package of stuff and the Chili's necklace, and Cheddar's sent me a Cheddar's blanket. And what's some- Cheddar's? I've yeah. Cheddar's, Cheddar's, Cheddar's scratch Cheddar's. kitchen. That's regional, yeah. I don't know that. It's regional. That must be a regional thing. I've yes. never seen a Cheddar's. It's a it's a regional thing. And so here's the deal. So Cheddar's sponsors Tyler Reddick in the NASCAR Cup Series. And okay. I my household is a big Tyler Reddick household, mm. right? Like short kings forever. We love Tyler Reddick. <laughs> okay. um, so sure. big Tyler Reddick household. We have one Cheddar's novelty soda cup with Tyler Reddick on it, right? Because we went to Cheddar's and we were like, hey, can we have the Tyler Reddick soda cup? And they brought us Austin Dillon, who's another cup driver. And we were like, Tyler Reddick. And then they brought us Austin Dillon again. Wow. <laughs> and then they finally brought us Tyler Reddick. So we had one. And my husband and I, we fight over it, right? So like, he'll take the Tyler Reddick cup and then I'll take the Tyler Reddick cup. And then he'll take the Tyler Reddick cup and I'll take the Tyler Reddick cup. I told this to a friend of mine who writes about racing. I was like, oh yeah, we fight over our Tyler Reddick cup and the Austin Dillon ones just sit in the cabinet. Um, And so he- (laughs) You you still took the Austin Dillon ones though. I like that that. (laughs) They were like, oh yeah, keep them. (laughs) And so- I told him this, and he actually had an interview with Tyler Reddick a couple days later. I did not know that. Um, so he's talking to Tyler Reddick, and he said, yeah, my friend Alanis fights with her husband over there, Tyler Reddick. Cup. And Tyler Reddick's like, I'm sending her more cups. <laughs> so Tyler Reddick got Cheddar's to send me Tyler Reddick cups, and Cheddar sent me a blanket, and it was two-day air freight. <laughs> and a blanket that says cheddar's on it and i'm not joking the blanket's right over there in the closet like it's a whole thing nascar sponsorship is the best (laughs) it's a whole thing like so those are my stories um okay um (laughs) you're welcome to stick around we've got about 15 minutes or so left but if you have 15 now i want to try a cheddar's Listen, so, if you got 15 minutes left, I guess I could stick around. Yeah, stick around. I mean, thanks for sharing your story. And and also thanks for bringing your talent, your skill, your energy to this world that we all know is just full of toxic masculinity. Oh, thank it's, you. It's, you are doing a service to, to all of us. So oh. thank you very much for sharing the story. Mr. Mirzma, can you top that? I mean, no, I don't know who the hell made me go after Atlantis. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, wait. Do you want more? Oh, God. I've got more stories. Go, Seth. Go. No, I mean, Let's do a new storyteller. We can genders, always do this in a few months' time. I was like, but, go, Seth. Go. I have more stories that just I came to me. I forgot about my NASCAR story. Go ahead, Seth. Um, all right. So the only the only thing the only there's no segue here. There's no segue. <laughs> um, there isn't. Uh, there, there's a little bit of so so my story. The only the only uh, relationship between the uh, the track story that you told a lot of us was the um, the fact that uh, this I was in a situation where I was extremely uncomfortable, but for much for, for many different reasons than uh, than obviously you were. But this was this was 2013, and I think it was the third year that Subaru was running. Um, a kind of really fun boondoggle of taking journalists to the Isle of Man, to the, to the Isle of Man uh, 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 TT, right? So the, the days and or weekend of, actually, I think it's like a week of motorcycle racing. And the first year they did it, um, there was some, I mean, basically it was kind of a, I can't remember uh, what I'm allowed to say or not say in terms of swear words here, but it was, you know, it was a show. It was a, 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 an PG-13. PG-13. No F words. Yeah. No F right. words, but S words are okay. <laughs> so I was on year three of this program, and I sort of figured, um, you know, this sounds like like an adventure. It sounds like maybe they got the kinks worked out in the first two. Let's let's go ahead and pull the trigger on it. John, who was my boss at the time, was probably a little bit reluctant to send me because I think that we had gone in the past and not really gotten any content out of it. But I also, somehow. I'd like to point out that Subaru is probably the most well-known automaker for just like having tons of like marketing budget left at the end of the year and deciding to put on these boondoggle trips that are just, just uh, amazing trips that they know they're not going to get like tons of press out of. Like I, didn't they go to Patagonia once with you? Didn't they take you to, yes. the, to the Southern but that was, of South America? That's another, that's another story. Although I would argue that it was, it's brilliant marketing. I actually it is. think it's like that. The, the, the Patagonia trip was brilliant marketing. This was too. So here's the relationship though, right? Subaru works with a rally driver named Mark Higgins, who was a British uh, rally champ uh, or yeah, uh, a champion of the British rally, I think three times, four times or something like that. He drove for Subaru. He's Manx. He's from the Isle of Man. So there was at least like a tenuous connection there. And I think he was the one sort of driving this thing. But um, so uh, the program was actually fly into Ireland fly, or Northern Ireland, fly into Belfast, take uh, uh, um, BRZs and STIs south to Dublin, hang out for a day, get on a plane, put the cars on a boat, go over to the TT, watch some racing, and then Subaru, is, or then then these journalists, I think there might have been like six of us, another 10 of us or something, a pretty small program. Um, we were going to be this sort of demonstration race in the middle of, or between two actual races, with Higgins leading the way and journalists sort of doing kind of a lead follow, right? Um, all, all sounded great. So my, my trip went wrong, like from the very beginning, there was some weather. Uh, I couldn't get on the flight. My flight was canceled from, from the U S to Ireland. So I missed the first day entirely, <clears throat> which is important because at this point in my career, I had only had, I think one or two experiences driving right-hand drive cars. Right. So <laughs> all of these, so all of the guys who had gone on to this program, like at least had a day of driving these cars on these crazy, you know, cobblestone, like super narrow uh, uh, Irish roads on, you know, the wrong side of the car, on the wrong side of the street and kind of getting their feet wet before they were thrown into the fire. And public roads, worth mentioning. Like these are roads, roads that just normal people drive on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, in the first part, for sure, they were just driving. It was just a driving program. They're just going south, you know, to, to get to Dublin. So I show up a day late. I get, you know, I get to Dublin in kind of the afternoon, uh, get unpacked and basically go to the bar. 
uh, which was not the smartest move. So, um, so I'm at uh, uh, Temple Bar, which is a pretty famous place in Dublin. And it wasn't like a crazy night, but it was crazy. It, it was, there was enough imbibing that like, I didn't feel awesome the next day, right? And, and again, like I'm sort of thinking like, this will be fun, it'll be an experience, but it's gonna be kind of a cream puff of a drive because we're doing this, this demonstration. Um, so the next day we get on the plane, I'm feeling a little bit hungover. We get up, you know, it's an early flight. We get to the racing venue and I realized, first of all, like, all right, well, this is at least going to be a little bit like a little bit interesting getting out because all the cars are staged essentially behind the main grandstand. So we've got to like somehow like clear a gigantic crowd of people to even get to the course. Right. Um, for those of you guys who don't know or haven't seen it, like the course in question is called the Sinefil Mountain Course. It is almost 40 miles. I think it's 37.7 <laughs> miles. It's, um, you know, narrow streets going through little villages all across the Isle of Man. It is hands down. I think Higgins told me at some point, I think there are 200 plus corners on this thing. There's no question it is the most demanding track, no, most demanding course I've ever heard of, certainly been on in my entire career. And I would argue probably the most, like, at least just to memorize, like might be in the top one, two or three most difficult in the entire world. You know, like the, the guys riding bikes die on this thing all the time because there's crazy elevation change. And uh, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's just a completely wild experience. So um, we get our track briefing and the local organizers are saying like, you know, Higgins is going to be up front, but the first time we did this, Higgins went a little crazy because he's a rally driver and he kind of can't hold himself back. So don't worry. We're going to have, um, we're going to have a local guy in a GTI ahead of the, ahead of the pack and behind the pack. So we'll be able to keep everybody kind of grouped together. And the guy in front is going to keep Higgins at kind of a reasonable pace. <coughs> More on that in a second. But um, the, <laughs> the, the photos so, that we're seeing, I think, are alluding to what's coming. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, the, the, these photos are, are like our one particular sort of terrifying moment. But um, truly, the, the scariest thing in the world is like we're going through the briefing. I, again, I'm getting sort of reassured. And then I get into the car and um, I realize like I'm actually feeling a little bit worse than maybe I even thought I was. You know, how sometimes like the hangover doesn't really kick in for, yep. enough, for a couple of hours in the afternoon. So I'm feeling a little bit jittery. I'm sitting there. I'm getting in the car. I'm realizing like people aren't moving. There's no organization to like clear a path for the for the, the cars uh we're just gonna drive through people and drive up onto the street basically and so i'm sitting in the car kind of getting used to it i'm driving first i have a driving partner uh, a lovely man and journalist named nelson ireson nelson come on the podcast at some point um who's also by the way a, a much better driver than me like overall and i'm doing the thing that you do when you're when you're like in a new car when you're a kid where you're just kind of going first second third. you know you're like trying to like remember the pattern because it's all backwards like it's you know it's the wrong hand like i'm on the wrong side of the car i was freaking out my foot was fluttering so much that i like could not keep steady pressure on any of the pedals because i was my heart was really racing and i was just terrified doing this thing so um get up onto the course start driving the adrenaline kicks in and some experience kicks in, you know, like the lizard brain of that, that reminds you or, or that sort of forces you to just drive the car goes. And I'm like, this is okay. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to live through this. I'm in a BRZ by the way, Higgins in an STI. Some of the other guys are in STIs. Um, then we start going, I realized like what I found out later was the guy who is supposed to be holding the pace back, the local, well, the locals aren't Mark Higgins. But they're but they're way faster than anybody who's been on, like anybody been around before. So they're like 
call them 70% of Mark Higgins, right? And I might be 4% of Mark Higgins on my best day. And I was not having my best day, right? So the pace starts going up and getting crazy. And like kind of all the instruction that we had about like where we're going, uh, what to look out for, landmarks, things to be careful of, just fly out the window. Also at the same time too, like this is a, like a crowd situation. Like people are on this, not just on the side of the course, people are walking out into the road in front of the cars (laughs) to snap photos. Like you're at a rally, right? So there are children sitting on stone walls, like, like eight feet away from the car as we're flying by, as the pace is sort of increasing. And there's this like, again, pressure just to keep up. So I don't get lost or I don't like, you know, lose the pack, whatever. Or throw um, up because you're hungover. Or th- right, or, or, or throw up. And uh, it was all going pretty good. Started to get into that flow state, felt, felt okay. And it was like right before this photo, like it occurred to me, they had one big part of the briefing was you're going to go uh, um, through a village. You're going to kind of, um, I think it's come around semi-blind. There's like, a, there's like a church, if I remember correctly, that's, in the, that's sort of blocking your view of this bridge. And you're doing a little bit of a, like a longer, I guess, uh, left or right-hander. Um, so, so when you see the church slow down, you want to hit the bridge at about 30 miles an hour. At 30 miles an hour, you will get all, you'll get all four, four tires off the ground, but you'll be okay. You'll land more or less flat. Well, you know, again, like I'm, I'm flying or, you know, close to flying at this point, And I hit the bridge at about 50 miles an hour, 55 miles an hour. <laughs> and you really fly at that point. Got all four wheels off and just like came nose down, like super hard. Like, the car was okay. I mean, the car was drivable after the fact. But, uh, <laughs> it was but, okay. But was I definitely, I definitely smashed the the shit out of the out of the um, front end and and maybe did a little bit of damage to the radiator. We're not sure. Um, now the, we're the, not the, sure. The, the, well, well, that wasn't the but but listen, I hit earlier. This is this is the this is the postscript though because the reason that we're not sure is because you know again we're talking about like a forty mile forty mile race half we we just we weren't doing multiple laps we switched drivers halfway through so they arranged this driver change and so after about twenty miles I get out Nelson gets in and um, we go for just you know we go for a few miles and go through this actually like really tricky but long right hand turn and it's tricky because there's a stone wall with like a white kind of some advertising over it. And something about the advertising really kind of made it difficult to judge how far away the, the wall was. And Nelson, again, who's a really accomplished driver, he's done a lot of rally, done a lot of, you know, track driving and stuff, um, was like caught it in time, but he realized he was like, Oh wow. I was much closer to that wall than I thought. It really snuck up on me and caught it right after we get past that. Like we get stopped. Everybody in front of us slows down. And again, not naming names, but the, the the people behind us in the in the SDI who had the exact same problem that we did did kind of the exact same thing that Nelson did, only sort of tried to drive through it, um, just plowed directly into the wall and completely totaled the car. So uh, that was the last time that Subaru ran this event. I don't think that they were invited back to the Isle of Man. They have again, like I love Subaru, Dom, Jessica. Please don't. Uh, it was an amazing program, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it was, it was an incredibly intense event, one that I'll never forget. And, and certainly, you know, of course, that if I got a chance to, I'd go back and, and drive again, um, hopefully a little bit more sober the night before <laughs> this time. But, um, yeah, that's, Seth, that's as your, as your, as your boss at the time, I'm glad I didn't hear that story <laughs> when you got home, uh, because you may not have gone on the first drive for a while after that. 
Uh, I wrote it. It's in the story. Is it in the story? <laughs> I don't remember it, but I have a terrible memory. Doesn't read any of the things we write. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's a Nintendo with ninety-eight degrees. I just look at the track. That's <laughs> it. Um, epic story. I mean, Isle of Man is no joke. I've never been, but I've certainly seen a lot of races from Isle of Man. And I mean, I like to think I'm pretty brave, if not, you know, just completely ridiculous and without any talent whatsoever. But that, I mean, it's almost scary for me to watch Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well, somebody had just—they didn't die, but right before we went off, there's this hill. I think it's called Gray Hill. A... Not well, that time. People, people die every race. <laughs> every yeah. every year I, they hold the motorcycle race, people die. And oh yes, yeah. Not necessarily one. Like it's every mm-hmm. year. But there was a, so there's I don't know who the who the rider was, but there was a rider who came down Bray Hill, and Bray Hill is this really steep hill that goes into a steep uphill, and then again it's like a left or a right hander coming out of it. So like when the bikes go down, the suspension is completely compressed, bottomed out, and then it unloads entirely as you go up the hill, right? And so if you don't get it just right, if you're not kind of like in the pocket when you're when you're making the turn and getting there, like the bike just you just lose the bike, and that happened like. We saw this on video again. Bef- well, it might have been after. Now I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit, but it felt like before. The, the bike came down. He lost it a little bit, and the bike exploded away from the rider. It was such force that it actually like came apart and was shrapnel as it was going into the crowd over there, like oh coming God. out of the hill. And so, like, the, yeah, the, the experience, like, the, the whole seeing everything, you're just like, this is – that's as close to like real kind of old fashioned racing, you know, like John Fry, we were talking about like the racing in Argentina. I'm sure there are some really gnarly crashes. Like for the most mm-hmm. part, that kind of racing has been legislated out of existence, but it still exists or at least did until very recently um, on Isle of Man where they, uh, it's, you know, this kind of like independent state that is uh, like an illegal <laughs> uh, uh, sort of some kind of like quasi legal. I know it's a British, protectorate maybe or something but they they can get away with stuff basically that you can't get away with anywhere else so um yeah very very strange place incredible race insanely dangerous love to go back in a car cool in a car so we have got roughly three three to four minutes left i have the only i am the only one who hasn't told a story Um, unfortunately what's that so tell us a little something then. Come on. I am. I, I'm going to do something super quick here, and it's mostly going to to be to embarrass my parents because, as you know, we had someone drop out. And I was like, I could just have one of my parents drop in because they have cool car stories. <laughs> we didn't end up doing that, but I can still embarrass them. So here we go. So this is from 2006. Uh, I was doing a study abroad trip in Salzburg, Austria. And at the very end of that trip, my parents came to visit me and we went on a trip to the Nürburgring. Um, We did not, we ourselves did not drive around the Nürburgring and you will be seeing pictures of both my parents here. Look at how happy they look. 2006. Uh, Nice stash. That is quality. He still has it. Um, (laughs) But um, so we did not get to drive around it, but my be- my dad and I talked about it beforehand and we wanted to go around. We were like, we're not going to accept the first person that comes up and asks us if we want to go on a lap with them. Uh, we for- we accepted the first person who came up and asked us if we wanted <laughs> to take a lap with them. Um, so it was in, that's me. You can see, damn, I look good there. Yeah, anyway, uh, 
we were in a Renault Clio Williams, which is the hot hatch version of the Renault Clio at that time. Like I said, I'm so upset. I swore I had pictures of it uh, in this uh, directory, but I can't find it. Um, But yeah, so we took a lap around the Nürburgring. I was in the rear bench seat. My dad was in the front passenger seat. And obviously there was the driver. And I swear to God, it was the fastest I've ever felt in my entire life. I was laughing the entire way around. It was frightening, but wonderful. And it was just the greatest. Like, I wasn't behind the wheel, but it was the greatest automotive experience that I've ever had. Um, And it just so happened, real quick, we were there. um, So the following weekend was going to be the 24 hours of the Nürburgring. And so the pictures that you're looking at now, if you're looking on YouTube, these are people the week before setting up to be there for the 24 hours of the Nürburgring. And you can see people have scaffolding, people have trucks, like it's a thing, or at least it was a thing when I was there in 2006. And it is just the greatest automotive memory of my life that a, my dad and I got to do a lap of the ring, but then just like seeing this, it's like automotive uh, Mardi Gras or like I, that's the best way I can describe it. It's just a fantastic thing. And automotive so Mardi Gras? I don't know if I want to go to Mardi Gras with my parents. My parents Fair are point. cool. <laughs> I'll, anyway. tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I think you may have experienced the Nürburgring in the best way possible, which is on a bench seat because <laughs> not to feel all the forces that have nothing to keep you in place is probably a great way to to feel that that track and its turns and, and elevation changes. Uh, I would have taken the bench seat over the passenger seat. It, it was great. And uh, real quick, these pictures here. So this is the restaurant Piston Clausa, which Sabina Schmitz, who you've probably heard of if you ever listen to Top Gear or anything like that. She sadly passed away from cancer last year. But this is the restaurant that her family ran. And so we went there while we were there. And you can see I took this. I tried mm. to be artsy, a bunch of lotuses with the restaurant Piston Clausa. And you know, it was a fantastic experience and it's one of the best automotive experiences that I've ever had. So, well, that's, that's a very cool story. I mean, everybody's traveled, but me, I mean, I've, I've gone from <laughs> coast to coast. I, I, that's I remember, I remember driving through the Poconos in a Chevy Tahoe and it, it was just, I don't know what it was. I mean, the, the vehicle sucked, but it was just, I mean, it, it was sunset. I was going through the, the Poconos. I was trying to get, to a hotel i was supposed to be meeting with customers the next day and and it was just this kind of picturesque kind of zen moment if you can imagine in the chevy tahoe that cool. or maybe the badlands at two in the morning is you talked about that yeah. i mean that's I, I so love doing that because that really it feels like you're driving on the moon because you're just you're winding through the badlands and i imagine if you're in places like uh you know like the the, the Painted Desert in Arizona, I've gone through there as well. If you're there after dark, I have to imagine it's something similar. So all you people have traveled so much. <laughs> well, I think that's going to finish up our show for tonight. So for our special guests, for Alanis and John Fry, people, if they want to follow you, if there's anything you guys want to plug, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So. Oh. 
Like I said, Alanis in King, not Alanis King, because Alan is King. Um, you can find me there. You can also find the Rich Energy book at richenergy.com. Uh, I love tweeting, so if you like tweets, you can read mine. Cool. And John? Yeah, uh, best way to see my my work as it gets put out there on a regular basis is on Instagram. It's uh, frywork with, a, with an E. F-R-Y-E-W-E-R-K. And uh, I will be published uh, hopefully pretty soon this year as well. So that, that's nice. kind of a big thing for me. So oh, wow. yeah, this year is a big thing. I'm, I'm turning 50 and then I've also spent 25 years uh, with my company. So uh, from every day on, I will have spent more than half my life working for the same company. Wow. Which is nice. a, it's a good and, thing because I love working yeah. there. But. Cool. Yeah, now, it's, it's let me ask amazing. you really quick. Let me ask really quick. Um, finding these these Argentinian race cars <laughs> has has that worked its way into any of your of your uh, artwork that you've done on Instagram or any of your other artwork? Uh, I'm. It, it all goes into the brain sponge. You know, because I'm going to be looking the, at that stuff differently stuff. now after yeah, after totally. this. Yeah, I, I totally glom on to anything that's like unusual and like makes you kind of go ouch a little bit you know the the comfortable stuff is is not so interesting to me you know that's uh that's too common so uh you know you know the pink panther show car mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that that proportion you know that extremeness is is kind of what i like i like to push for but it can be done in a good and a bad way and because that's the difference between like sabaro and gandini um you know they both did a wedge car the sabaro car is very awkward gandini is just perfect i thought you were talking about the pizza for a second <laughs> <laughs> yeah pizza the, the car company is sponsored by a pizza company yeah and then Seth, john happened. is there anything you guys want to promote your personal stuff or motor one related stuff or yeah whatever, motor whatever. one go visit motor one go, go visit motor one <laughs> keep us okay. employed <laughs> exactly and, and right. John, yeah. you're, I know you're getting ready to embark on an adventure, so hopefully you'll come back before too long and, and tell us about some of your uh, some of your new adventures. Yeah, I'll, I'll report from the road and tell you guys what I've been doing. Uh, that's going to start pretty soon, so nice. um, cool. should be cool. Can't wait to hear it. Nice. And Seth, um, for folks yes, who haven't been following too close on Motor One, Seth, is, is you're trying to put out like maybe a bi-weekly or so column. It seems like it's bi-weekly. I get the impression. From, from your perspective. And I just want to encourage everybody to go read that because I mean, that is, I mean, you are such a talented writer and you mm-hmm. bring something really fresh that we haven't done too much of on Motor One. Mm-hmm. Your most recent one was driving a bunch of Ford products. You drove the Bronco. You basically tried to drive every Ford you possibly could. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, you yeah. should totally turn that into a series. Like you mentioned it at the bottom of the, of the piece. That would be, I, I totally love the idea in the piece. It'd be, yeah, it'd be fun to do sort of uh, model uh, uh, or, or sort of full model lineup uh, reviews. I think that'd be kind of cool. But yeah, every once in a while, I'm kicking out a column. Turns out that the job is uh, <laughs> requires a lot of a time commitment that isn't uh, doesn't include writing. But I'm yeah. working on that. We've got something coming up right now. I'll say it out loud so that I I'm forced to do it. But I've got a um, I've got a piece on a on a watch and a very fast SUV. And then I I was just out. Um, uh, in Italy, driving something interesting too. That's under embargo, so that's going to be a drive review that's coming out. But definitely go to motor1.com every day, all day. Uh, check us out on social media. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, nice. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Download it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, etc., etc., etc. 
Yeah, well, I, I was going to do the plug, but uh, but Seth plug. just he got it for I'm, us. I'm I'm taking a week off. Woohoo! <laughs> You're done. And as always, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. We appreciate every listen, every comment, every every everything. You can find us all over the place. Like Seth was saying, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we're on Audible. I literally just found out today because I was searching for something. So <laughs> if you're on Audible, you can find us there, it turns out. Um, so, yeah, we're all over and we love every listener. And thank you so much for our guests. Again, Alanis King, John Fry, thank you. Uh, Seth Mearsma, John Neff. Thank you so much, guys. And that'll be it. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. bye.